Well, good morning, Spruce Grove Community Church. And a big good morning to all of our visitors. Well, if you're watching online, a big welcome to you as well. We're glad you're with us online today. Isn't it exciting to be in the house of God this morning? Well, what an honor and a privilege to be able to come together to worship our King. So, Father God, this morning as we come into this house, Father, we lay aside all those things that can so easily distract all the stuff of the week, all the little speed bumps in our life. And Father, today we say that you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. Today we will give you our full attention because we love you and we choose to honor you this day. So church family, this morning, let's give our all to our King. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him. My baby is a month and a half, two months old. And she's in a season of growing. And so for about an hour a day, she's really happy. And and my wife takes pictures and those are the ones that go on Instagram. But for 23 hours of the rest of the day, there's these random naps and there's these crying and there's these moments of fussiness and discomfort. And every once in a while when she gets tired enough and I'm holding her, there's this moment where she just gives out and puts her head on my heart. And she just lays there. And it's peaceful. And I feel like God's saying this morning, there's this point where we just need to give up. We've been trying to do it our own way. We've been fussing. We've been crying. We've been pushing back. But God's saying, just as we sit in this moment, God's saying, just give up. Just listen to my heartbeat. Just sit in this moment with me and hear what I have to say. My peace, my love, my joy, the things that I have for you. And so even though it's awkward and weird, we're actually just supposed to be sit, sitting and waiting and giving up what we've brought, what we have, and saying, God, I'm just going to sit. So for some of you wondering what to do in this moment, Sometimes the hallmark words are not enough. Sometimes we just have to put the card down and we have to dig into our heart and we have to just begin to sing from what's within us. I feel like today for some of you, it's been a little bit of a hard day. I mean, we're singing the words, I come boldly and I could just feel this hesitation. It was hard to come boldly. But let me tell you something. He wants you to come in here the way you are. It doesn't matter how you came in. This is the moment where we get to bring all that to Him. This is the moment where it gets real. This is the moment where we can lift those things up to Him. Whether it's through a song of our own, whether it's through a prayer, whether it's through raising our hands. If you don't know what to do, just do something. Do something to connect with the Father. There are moments when I love that written card from my wife, but my wife looks at me and says, put the card down. Tell me what you really think. This is just that moment. And I'm looking at some of us guys, that intimacy thing can be hard sometimes. Can we give it a shot as a family today?
can we just take the next minute or so here? Can we pretend no one's around us? Can we just act as if Jesus Christ is standing right in front of you? What would you say to him? Because he is in front of you. Just begin to declare it. Say it. Don't worry about who's in this building. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we honor you today. Jesus, we bring our stuff to you today. Today we bring our words. Often we tell our kids, use your words. Today, use your words and speak to the King. Jesus. You know, I've shared many times with our congregation. Most of you know I'm married to a counselor. Many times, late at night, we'll be just sitting in our bedroom talking. My wife will look at me and she'll say this. What do you love about me? I'll look at her and say, everything. No, 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 no. What specifically do you love about me? And I can feel it on the inside. Oh, I just don't want to do this. Going to that intimate place again. Oh, God, I'm not great at this. Right? I'm looking at some of your faces. Right, Lauren? We know this isn't easy. It's hard. Now finally look at my wife and I'll say, you're so beautiful. What else? And then I'll say something else. And then it's, what else? I'm telling you something. It's good for me. It's good for us to learn how to speak to our wives, to love on our wives. It's good for us to learn how to speak our love for our king. And the best place to learn it is right here in church. So can we say this? Jesus, I love you. I honor you. I worship you. I let you into every area of my life. I want more of you. I need you. Now say what you need to say. Can we say amen? Amen. Was that so hard? Some of the guys are looking at the ground right now. Well, maybe we need to do that a little bit more, right? So it gets easier and easier and easier. How do you overcome something? You got to go through it. And as guys, we need to learn how to speak our hearts, not just to our wives, but to our king. Amen? So we're so excited to have Steve back today. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege, uh, just what you're doing in Alberta. We're just so thankful for you, man. It's so great. My wife said, you didn't say what you love about Steve. <laughs> Steve, I love everything about you. <laughs> Let's welcome Steve Holmstrom. I know his wife, Kara, is here somewhere too. 
So we're so thankful they're both with us. I want you to be more specific, Pastor. <laughs> uh, what an honor it is to be here at Spruce Grove. Wow, God bless you. Thank you so much for, uh, for your warm welcome. And, uh, and Pastor Chris and Jenna, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a real honor. I love this church. Uh, some of my favorite people go to this church. And uh, we've been running together for a very long time. Uh, just uh, kind of crisscrossing the nation. Many of us, like, uh, I, I love revival. Anybody love revival? If there's a bunch of hungry people seeking God and they're going to worship and they're going to press in and they're going to dance and they're going to go crazy until Jesus comes up, I go. And I don't care if it's a two-hour drive or, 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 or a four-hour plane ride. I'm going to go where hungry people gather and, uh, and what I find is when I go to these places, there's just a whole lot of people from Spruce Grove Community Church there as well. And so, uh, so you know, by default, uh, many of you guys have just become my best friends. And uh, we've been running together for a while, and so it's just so fun. Ken and Di, I love you guys so much. Just, uh, you know how blessed you are? I mean, the worship in this place, we... Uh, you saw that video there. We uh, we have a gathering. We, the Lord spoke to me um, a couple of years uh, ago, and he he pointed out this one property, and he said, "Buy that land. I'll meet you there." And so we bought bought this this quarter section of land, a whole bunch of trees, and we carved a hole out in the woods, and uh, we built a stage, and we just started gathering out in the trees, and uh, and uh, and we invited uh, Ken and Di and the team to come and lead worship. And uh, just the presence of the Lord has just showed up. And, then, and our gatherings have just kept growing and growing. The first one was like 300 people. Who? 300 people drive to Drayton Valley. Where? Drayton Valley. <laughs> to pursue the Lord out in the trees. Who would come? And then the next gathering, they all came back and brought a friend and a half. And we had 700 people at the next gathering. And then in the third gathering this last summer, we had almost 2,000 people show up. And, uh, and my wife, we're, Kara, why don't you wave? Just uh, please stand up, sweetheart. She's, she would be up here, but she, uh, she's a, she is also running a business at this moment. So if she runs out of the service every once in a while, it's not because she's getting bored of me. Uh, but uh, my wife actually fed 7,000 meals this summer to, uh, to that crowd because uh, we fed them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, with her and a team of about 20 or so volunteers. And so we just have some wonderful times out there, and the Lord meets us, and it's just been so powerful. But, uh, but the Spruce Grove, uh, you guys have been such a key part of what God has done out there. And uh, even this year when I was saying to some of our team, I said, you know, well, we're you know, planning our next gathering and we know it'll be bigger because everybody comes back and they bring more. So who knows how many thousands will show up this summer. And, uh, and I asked our team, I said, what do you guys think, you know, for the worship? I don't assume it's going to be the same group every year, although Ben says it has to be. Uh, everyone was like, Spruce Grove, have Spruce Grove back. We call them the Spruce Groove. <laughs> And so, uh, so come to the altar, July 20th to 22nd, and, uh, and uh, I know it's going to be a powerful time. 
out in the woods, and, uh, and the Lord just comes. He visits us there. It's just a very special place. You know, there's a very special... I have people who've come out there, uh, just, you know, people who are needing to be touched by God. And, and I said, come out to the altar. And, and, and they come out there, and I'll say, just go out there. He's out there. What are you going to take me somewhere and preach to me? No, no, no. Just go out into the woods. Jesus is in there. Go find him. And literally, people will go off into the trees, and they'll come out an hour later, tears and snot streaming down their face. I said, how is it? Yeah, he talked to me. Okay. <laughs> he said, Steve, by that land, I'll meet you there. Hallelujah. And so I hope that you'll come to the altar and, uh, and lay down your life. I pray that today at this altar, many of you would lay down your life. I'd like to imagine that there's a few people in this room right now that you don't know Jesus Christ. How in the world you got to a crazy church like this? I don't know. But maybe you, or maybe you once walked with him, but you've been away for some time. I, I believe that today is going to be a wonderful day for you to come and lay down your life. God is looking for people who will pursue him. Did you know Jesus wants to be pursued? You know, he, he wants you to want him. And when he finds a people who will run after him and pursue him, he will meet you. He is not hard to get, but he does want to be wanted. All right? He's not playing hard to get, but he will not manifest in the life, in the life of anyone who does not deeply desire him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That book, Access Granted, is really the, the subject of the kingdom of God, which is a message that uh, has just, honestly, for me, it absolutely transformed my life. When, when I got a revelation of the kingdom of God, and so I preach on this a lot, and, and, and sometimes I feel like maybe I preach on it too much, and there's some people who kind of get offended by this message and wish that I wouldn't preach on it. I actually had one of my Close friends, actually, this week say to me, Steve, you know, uh, text me. He's like, you know, you should really preach on love more. <laughs> he said, that is your lane. He actually said that. That is, that is your lane. Preach on love because there's something so powerful happens when you preach on love. And I do, I have a revelation of the love of God. When God, uh, uh, when, I, when I encountered the love of the Father, uh, in 1999, and some of you have heard me tell that story, when I experienced the Father heart of God, when I realized that I was loved by God, it was massive for me. Uh, it gave me so much confidence. It gave me such expectation. I, I, when my wife actually married me, you know, she's, you know, you start asking, what do you think you're going to do one day? And I just absolutely was convinced that I was going to change the world. I was absolutely convinced that millions would be influenced by my ministry. And she said, what if they're not? <laughs> you, know, you know, what if you don't? What if you're just like a really great guy and a good husband and a, a, a and a good dad? Like, what if you don't? But you don't do anything massive. And I remember thinking, impossible. <laughs> That's impossible because God likes me so much. How could I not change the world? I'll tell you something. The love of God. When you get a revelation of the love of God, it will absolutely change your expectation of more. 
But you think about the love of God, and I'll preach on that sometime. One day I will preach on the love of God again. But I'll tell you something. My, this is what my friend, even he texted me this week, he says, Steve, you know, you got to preach on the love of God more because, you know, it's when people understand the love of God that they embrace holiness. And I read that, and it sounded so right and so true. And then I, later on I was thinking about it. No, actually, that didn't work for me. Because I had a revelation of the love of God and how loved I was and that the Father cares for me and I'm the apple of His eye. And, I, and that made a big impact on my life, but it did not produce any holiness whatsoever. I had more compromise in my life than you could shake a stick at. And really, it wasn't until 2014. 14 years after, I had a revelation of the love of the Father. I had another revelation. It was the revelation of the kingdom of God. And when I got a revelation of the kingdom of God, suddenly I had a reason to behave myself. <laughs> suddenly I wanted to pursue holiness. It wasn't until I understood the kingdom of God that I was willing to deal with stuff in my life. And it was as I began to pursue the kingdom of God and seek the kingdom. Do you know that Jesus says, seek first the first? Really, that's the first. That should be something that's at least highly emphasized in the church today. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus' primary message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist's message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I love John the Baptist. I love, I, ever since I was little, I just, uh, even, even as a young boy, I felt such a pull towards John the Baptist. This wild-eyed, ferocious evangelist who lived in the wilderness, who is a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And the people would come out to the wilderness and he would baptize them. Sounds like someone I know. And, but, but it was this voice, this wild out, and, and even though he came from a line of religious people, it was like he rejected that and he chose to be a voice for the kingdom and a voice for holiness. And, 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 he, and he was, the religious people actually couldn't stand him. And John the Baptist preached this message. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom would ask me every night, she'd say, Steve, what do you want me to read? And like literally four or five, even before, she said, before I could remember, and when I was little, what book do you want me to read? And every night I'd say, John the Baptist. And literally this was for years, and she, she got so sick. She said, I got so sick of reading this book, John the Baptist. It was hundreds and hundreds of times, and every night I'd say, I want to read the story of John the Baptist. This wild-eyed guy who lived this fasted life and just preached the kingdom of heaven is near. Why is this such an important message? And it's such an important message for this generation. It's so important for each one of us to grasp this because the kingdom of God is so much more than anything the world realizes. And even those who get a revelation of the kingdom, you need to understand you'll never get it. It's almost like even when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he always used parables. He said, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. He, why, why didn't he just say the kingdom of God is? You know, a couple of times he said the kingdom of God is not, you know. It's not this. It's power. It's, you know, but for the most part, he would just say the kingdom of God is like. He wanted you to understand. If you listen to these stories and if you read these stories and if you let me tell a story and keep in mind 
that the kingdom of God is like this, you'll slowly, as you get lost in the stories, you start to get more of a picture of what the kingdom looks like and what a kingdom life looks like. And as we get a, draw close to the Lord and as we embrace a kingdom life, then the kingdom of God begins to manifest in our lives. You know, I used to believe that the kingdom of God was a place that you go after you die. Anybody think that? I would, I would read all these scriptures about, about the kingdom of God, and, and, and I would always feel so disqualified. Have you ever read verses that made you think you might be going to hell? <laughs> Anybody? Let's be honest. Like, you believe the Bible. You know, you believe New Testament. You know, you believe Paul's writings that it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works. No one will boast. There's nothing you can do. It's not, it's not about works. And Paul drove that point home over and over again. But every once in a while, you read that other guy, Jesus. And he keeps saying all these things that make entering in seem so expensive. Hello? Paul said, you know, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, boy, isn't that easy? How many of you believe in Jesus? Hallelujah. Jesus said, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that easy? And Paul said over and over, it really is. It's about faith. But then there's all these other passages where Jesus is talking, and even Paul from time to time gets into it, and they talk about, there's whole lists. If you go to, uh, let's read a couple of them. How many brought your Bibles today? Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians. This is a fun one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, that's, that's, like, that's a pretty big list. And some of the things on the list are like pretty small sins. You know, you, we usually kind of get blinded by a couple of big ones. You know, a lot of people like to preach this and say, there's the proof. All homosexuals go to hell right there. It says it right there. Do not, you know, the homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you know what it also says? That the greedy won't inherit it either. Whoo, there goes most of my church. <laughs> Hello? There's more lists. Listen to this. Go to the, that's 1 Corinthians. Go to the, uh, Galatians chapter 5. 20 pages over. Verse 19. Galatians 5 19. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity. Don't just look at the big ones. Think about how many times you get disqualified by this list. Look at all the little ones, okay? If there are, are there, are there little sins? <laughs> They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife. I know there's no strife in this church. Jealousy. Is that even a sin? <laughs> Jealousy. Anger. Disputes. Any married people in the room? Dissensions. Factions. Envying. Drunkenness. That's a big one in the church again. It's getting more popular all the time. Carousing. 
And things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What happened to free grace? What happened to only believe? Oh, you can't enter the kingdom of God if you're greedy, if you're selfish, if you're... Let's go a few more pages. Go to Ephesians. Six more pages. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. But immorality or any impurity or greed... Greed again. That one comes up a lot. You know, greedy people can't enter the kingdom. I'm not saying I'm just saying. Greed must not even be named among you as improper among the saints. And there is, there must be no filthiness or silly talk. Say silly talk. Some of you silly talkers are getting convicted right now. Just run to the altar. What about this one? Coarse jesting? That's called dirty jokes. Coarse jacks jesting will keep you out of the kingdom? That like disqualifies some of my best friends and their preachers. <laughs> Dirty jokes, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater or has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What do you do with verses like that? You know? What must I do to be saved? Believe. That's it. Just believe. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Wow, that's so easy. And then there's all these lists. (laughs) If you do this, if you do this, if you're this way, if you're that way, if this, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus said this. If you don't have, you, if you don't change and become like a child, Matthew 18, 3, if you don't become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. How many childlike people, you know, fill our pews? You know, there's a few. But if, if a lack of childlikeness keeps us out of heaven, man, I'll tell you, heaven's going to be a quiet place. The Bible says that through many persecutions, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Who's been praying for more tribulation in your life? <laughs> you know, I used to read these scriptures and, and I just didn't know what to do with them because I knew what Paul taught so clearly that salvation is a free gift given to anyone who believes. And I could also see passages of Scripture like 1 Corinthians 3 where it says that there's certain people who, who build their lives with wood, hay, and straw. Wood, hay, and straw. But it says that they're building on the foundation of Christ Jesus. That means they're Christians who build their lives with things that don't matter. And it says that when they stand before God, their life's work will be tested by fire And it will actually be destroyed. But yet they will be saved. Even though only is one escaping through the flames. That means they missed hell by a sliver. They entered heaven smelling like smoke. Their butt was on fire. But it's like, hallelujah. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God. Can I just say it? 
Some of my lukewarm Christian friends, there's mercy for them. Thank God. Thank God. I, I thank God. Because I don't want to see people who won't surrender receive ultimate punishment. I'd like to believe that there's mercy. But at the same time, I have to do something with all of these scriptures and say, this person won't enter and that person won't enter and this person won't enter and greed will keep you out and selfishness will keep you out and lust will keep you out. What do I do with that? And it really wasn't until you begin to separate the kingdom of God from heaven that these passages of Scripture make sense. And suddenly you realize that heaven is a free gift given to all who believe. But there's more for those who say yes to God than for those who simply believe. The day I first had my light bulb moment on this was, I remember very clearly, I went out for lunch with a friend of mine who is a very successful uh, businessman, like multi, multi-millionaire. I think he sold one of his companies for $140 million. So he's a very wealthy guy. He's a guy that uh, has mentored me in business for a long time. But we were talking about, usually we just talk business. But uh, on this particular day, we were talking about spirituality. And he said, Steve, the thing I can't stand about Christianity is that you all interpret the Bible differently. You know, one person says the Bible means this, and the other person says it means that. How do you even interpret it? Do I need to understand Greek and Hebrew? He said, I I just don't even want to bother. I don't even want to start. He said, you know, I even heard there's one verse in that book that says that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He said, what's that supposed to mean? Of course, the one verse that he can quote in the whole Bible (laughs) is the one that he believes condemns him to hell. And I looked at him, because I really didn't have a revelation of the kingdom at the time. I looked at him, I said, well, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Those words were spoken by Jesus Christ. They're the absolute truth. I know that verse well, and the truth is, It is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom. And when you die and stand before him one day, and when I die and stand before him one day, you need to know it isn't going to be easy for us to get in. We better not just be hoping that our good deeds outweigh our bad. And even as I said those words, I could hear the Holy Spirit inside of me saying, bad, 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 bad interpretation. Shut up. Okay, I didn't hear the shut up part. God would never say shut up. But it was, And I remember going home that night and I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, what, what was that? Why, what was that inside of me? That, that, that dis, like, I could tell you were not appreciating how I was interpreting that. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly that night. He said, Steve, you know the kingdom of God is on earth. Why do you always make it about heaven and hell? Hello? It's true. I did. I mean, I, would, I, I mean, if anyone asked me, where's the kingdom? I said, the kingdom of God is on earth. It was kind of like Jesus and John the Baptist's main message. Jesus told his disciples, go and preach. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. It's, that means it's close enough to reach. It's not some faraway place. It's, it's here. It's in your midst. It's all around you. So it's on earth. 
So why is it, Steve, every time you read a verse that says this person can't enter the kingdom or that, why do you always make it about heaven and hell? Hello? And I realized I do that. I do that all the time. I do that all the time. Every time I see these scriptures, and they're obviously disqualifying scriptures, they're obviously saying you can't enter in, but I always make it about heaven and hell. Friends, I want to tell you something. It is absolutely possible for you to go to heaven when you die and never enter the kingdom of God. Now, I imagine there's probably people today, there's probably somebody who just died, loved Jesus, walking into heaven, looking around going, whoa, look at this place. The streets of gold, the crystal sea. Jesus, just imagine Jesus walking up to them saying, hey, welcome home. And I could hear them saying, Jesus, the kingdom of God is beautiful. And Jesus might say, well, I'm glad you like the place. I prepared it for you. But this is not the kingdom of God. This is heaven. Didn't you read the book? <laughs> Don't you remember? I said the kingdom was here. It's near. It was in your midst. It was all around you. Remember I told you to go and preach the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and, and if you do that, and if people could get that revelation and receive it, then the next the result would be you would heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper and drive out demons because the kingdom of God is it was a manifestation of, the, of my presence and my power on the earth. But he might say, but you didn't have a childlike heart. You're too big of a head. You tried to figure everything out, and you couldn't receive it, and so you never entered. I'm sorry, you missed out. You would have loved it. You would have received your healing, but welcome home. Ouch. You know, every promise that Jesus Christ has made, every promise is yes and amen, and everything that he said we could do we can do. But how many, how many times do those scriptures have an if in them? And, and I, I, wish, I wish I could preach a message that didn't have an if in it. You know? But this is the message that burns in my heart. And I try to preach something else, but every time I open the Bible, I see if, 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 if. There's so much more for every one of us. God isn't looking for super Christians. God isn't looking for bigger brains. God isn't looking for people who have just had enough time at seminary to finally figure this stuff out. God is looking for people who will hear his voice and obey. And the kingdom of God is this wonderful, glorious realm that's surrounding you. Surrounding you. It's all around you. And if you hunger for it, if you desire it, if you seek it, God will drop keys everywhere you turn. 
He wants to give you keys. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of God. What do you need a key for? To unlock it. But you know who finds keys? The people who are looking for them. The people who are snooping around. People who believe that there's more. And there's, a, there's been a teaching. It's heavy, heavy for decades that basically says you're already there. You've already arrived. There's nothing to seek. Even this one. Ever heard this one? The kingdom of God is within you. Well, Jesus said that, did he? Only in one translation of the Bible. I'll ruffle, hey, can I ruffle a few feathers? <laughs> you know, Jesus, this is what Jesus said. John 17, 20 says, Once, when being asked by the Pharisees, say Pharisees. Pharisees. By the way, I'm going to quote the only place in the Bible that ever says the kingdom of God is within you. Okay? Once, when being asked by the Pharisees, When the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered and said to them, to who? The Pharisees. The coming of the kingdom of God is not something you will observe. It's not something you see with your eyes. Nor will you say, here it is or there it is, for the kingdom of God is within you. If you're reading the King James Version. I like the King James Version. Who likes the King James Version? Keep loving me when I'm finished this statement. I like the King James Version. I like to memorize from the King James Version. It has a beautiful flow to it. But like every translation, they all miss it here and there. And this is the only version that missed it on this one. The King James says the kingdom of God is within you. Every other translation and the Greek says the kingdom of God is in your midst. Or it's all around you. Would Jesus tell a Pharisee the kingdom of God is within you? Hello? Would he tell that to a Pharisee? What did he say to Pharisees that was within them? (laughs) What did he say was in a Pharisee? Anybody remember that verse? Dead men's bones. You're like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. There's no way he would have looked at a Pharisee and said, the kingdom of God is within you. It wasn't. What he was saying is, the kingdom of God is all around you, but you can't enter in. In fact, you slam the door to everyone around you who's trying to get in, and you won't let them in. The kingdom of God, oh, I'm burst a bubble here. The kingdom of God is not within you. The kingdom of God is all around you. And Jesus says, seek it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his, ooh, I prefer to say or his righteousness. <laughs> what do you want? Kingdom or righteousness? Give me the kingdom, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, 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 no. This key has two sides to it. All right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, 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 the, we are called to pursue the kingdom, to seek the kingdom, to long for it. And we do it by 
pursuing him and pursuing righteousness, which is really what's God, what's God saying to you? And that's not a list of rules of here's all of the, you know, here, let me find all these, you know, take all these lists that we read and, you know, okay, so I got to be generous. Okay, check. I, I got to be uh, free from sexual purity. Okay, I'm good. For, I've been good for like 42 days. Okay, check. Uh, I, no, no strife. Oh, this is not about creating lists. This is about walking with Jesus. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, some of your Bibles leave that last word out, okay? This is John 15, 14. Some Bibles say, you are my friends if you do what I command. If you hear it that way, it feels very much like pharisaical Christianity. Well, what are the commands of Christ? Here's the 86 commands of Christ. No, this is what he said. He didn't say, you are my friend if you do all the things I said. He says, you're my friend if you do what I command you. Which means, Ben, I'm going to speak to you. And I'm going to ask you for certain things. I'm going to whisper in your ear. And if you will say yes to me, then you get to be my friend. You get to be my filio. This is the word. Intimately close friend. Everybody... You know, people always often emphasize agape over filio. Can I tell you? Agape, God agapes everybody. For God so agape the whole world. That's what it says. But filio is a different type of friendship. It's intimately close friendship. Agape says, I would die for you. Filio says, I want to go for a walk with you. I'm going to tell you some secrets. You're going to be my close friend. Hallelujah. What is uh, Revelation uh, 3.19? I should be able to quote that one. Revelation 3.19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be earnest and repent. Who wants God to love you? Those whom I love. But Jesus, don't you love everybody? I thought you loved everybody. Didn't you say, no, 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 this is not agape. This is filio. Filio. Those whom I filio, those whom I'm in intimately close relationship with, I rebuke and discipline. Let me say it this way. Those who I'm walking really close to, I whisper and I ask for lots of things from them. I ask more of you. I used to think if God wasn't rebuking me, it was probably because I was doing all right. I come to realize if he's not rebuking me, he doesn't consider me a friend. How many of you feel loved by God now? <laughs> he, he's, yeah, he's, he's rebuking you. He's pointing out some things. He wants you to change. He's asking for more. And friend, this isn't about you finally hitting the last thing on the list and going, check, and now God can, I can enter the kingdom. No, th- you're not going to be done until you breathe your last. This is a lifelong journey. I'll get the worship team to come. This is a lifelong journey of walking with him and hearing his voice. And you say yes to him, and you go further. You say yes, and you go further. You say yes, and you go further. And when you say, okay, that's enough. I can't give you that, Lord. He says, all right, I'll see you in heaven. I love you. But you can't go any further in this kingdom walk. Because you don't get to say no to me. I'm master. I'm Lord. 
remember the hardest one for me? I know people laugh when I tell it, but I mean, it was hard for me. I love. It was a horrible confession. But if God and my wife would let me, I would smoke every day of my life. That's the truth. I love smoking. Forgive me, Lord, but I'm saying, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. For years, even after I gave my life to the Lord, even through Bible school, I smoked like a chimney all through Bible school. And 10 years of ministry. I'm just one of these people who, don't stare at me like that. I know there's some smokers in the room. There's mercy. There's grace enough. There's not even a Bible verse on it. I have told the Lord that a hundred times. This is not even a sin. Find me a verse. But I, I just love smoking, and I'm this person who gets so strung out. I get really wound up, okay? And I just found that I get so wound up, and to me, at the end of the day, just to go for a drive and light up a big cigar and inhale deeply, and peace like a river would just flow through my soul. <laughs> and I just knew. It was a little bit of heaven on earth. <laughs> the, the stress, you know? How many of you have something in your life that you just, you turn to and it makes you feel better? Someone say chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some of you, whatever. But we find comforts in this world. Things that just go... Ah, and I mean, for me, smoking was just that thing. I just, oh, it just made me feel so much better. And for years, the Lord would tell me, I would hear the Lord speak to my heart, not audibly, but I know he would say, Steve, you got to give this up. You got to give up smoking. And I'd say, Lord, I love you. And I would list off all the things I'd given him. I really pursued purity in so many areas of my life. I really surrendered to him in so many areas of my life. But I would say, but Lord, smoking... One, it's not a sin, and it just helps me unwind, and it doesn't affect my love for you at all. This is not coming between me and you at all, so let's just leave this one alone. Anything else? And he'd keep pushing me on this, keep pushing me. And I tried to quit a few times, and then I'd fall again. And It was 2014. I remember I'd actually, just before that, gone to, I remember, I remember, it was just this constant secret. Even when my wife met me, she wondered why I smelled like halls for the first few months. You know, until she finally realized I was a smoker and I was hiding it with the smell of halls all the time. She's like, really? You're a smoker? I'm like, ugh. I'd go to churches and preach. And I remember going to Florida and preaching in this church. And God's moving in power. And people are getting saved. And wonderful things happen. As soon as they drop me off at the airport, and as soon as they're out of sight, it's like, oh, my God, three days without a smoke. 2014, July, I'm out for a run because I'm so passionate about my health. And uh, I'm out for a run. I'm in Red Deer. This is the week of uh, Frontline's conference. And uh, I'm out for a run. And as I'm running, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart again and says, Steve, you've got to give up smoking. And I said, Lord, we have to have that conversation again. Steve, I want it. I want it. I'm like, God... It's not a sin. The Holy Spirit said, it's a sin for you because I asked you to stop and I'm God. I said, that's not fair. I need a verse. <laughs> I said, God, no. It just helps me unwind. Steve, I want to be the comforter in your life. You never let me. You always turn to that thing. 
And I made a few other arguments, and I felt him just pressing and pressing and pressing. And finally I said, God, I remember this very clearly. I said, God, I love you, okay? I love you. I'd do anything for you. But I'm just going to say this one area, no. I want this. And when I said no, I just felt like I could almost hear like a door slam shut in heaven. Almost like God said, fine, Steve, keep your cigars. And I knew it wasn't good. And at that moment, I'm still running. I could take you to the place. Remember Catherine Kuhlman used to say, I could take you to the place where Catherine Kuhlman died. (laughs) I could take you to the place where Steve Holmstrom died. In Red Deer, on this path, I'm running along. I go, oh, God didn't like that. And I look to the left, and I have a prophetic experience where I see in the trees, I see two people. One was this skinny little um, guy on the ground, and he had a computer in front of him, and he was looking at pornographic images, and he was chained to the thing. It was like a ball and chain. And he was looking at this, and beside him was this really, really large woman. And she was pointing at him, and, she was, and I knew they were both Christians. I knew they were both believers. I knew they both loved the Lord. And I knew they were both called to just soar in heavenly places. I just knew they were called to fly. And she looked at him, and she said, You're never going to soar with that in your life. And he looked so ashamed. He's like, you're right. I'm never going to soar. I'm never going to soar. And I looked at her, and she had her own ball and chain. She was chained to a cupcake that was four feet high, literally, four feet high, which is funny if it wasn't so sad because both of these two loved the Lord. Both wanted to soar, but they both had something that was holding them down. And when I saw this, I turned straight away, And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me again. And he said, Stephen, as long as you have anything in your life, as long as you give yourself permission to say no to me, and you have anything in your life where you're saying no to me, you will not reach your full potential. And Steve Holmstrom, I make note today, you are a man who says no to God. And when he said that, it was, it was something so complete, so finished about it. And I, I really thought, like, this is it. God has given up on me. And he's walked away. And I remember right there on that path, I burst into tears and I fell on my knees. And I shouted out. I said, wait! Just wait! Wait, wait, wait! I changed my mind. <laughs> I said, I just changed my mind. Just now, I just changed my mind. I'll never smoke another day in my life. I knew it was like he had this incredible destiny for me. And all of a sudden, it was like he had this big destiny. But he had just, it was like something had shifted. And he said, no, I got a new plan for your life. And it's this big, Steve. And I remember I just bawled. And I said, wait, I'll never smoke another day in my life. I promise. And there was no comforting fatherly voice after that it was just like almost we'll see (laughs) and you know what that was 2014 and i can tell you i have never smoked since and i wouldn't do it for anything and i remember 
the next week, he started asking for other things, which were much smaller. That was like the big one. You know, most of us, we have our Isaac. And we just give him anything but Isaac. But he wants Isaac. He wants your Isaac. He wants that thing that you don't want to give him. And you know what it is. And I remember I gave that to him. And then it was the next week he asked for something else. And it was just like, yes, sir. <laughs> it was way easier. <laughs> Nothing was as hard as smoking. You know? And then he asked for something else. And it was, yes, sir. And he asked for something else. And it was, yes, sir. And I'm not by any stretch pretending to be perfect. You ask my wife. She'll, she'll tell you lots of stories. But I can tell you, Sid, for the last eight years, I just say yes a lot. I just say yes a lot. And I watched that year. That, that was 2014. In fact, I always talk about 2014 as like, it's just like BC and before BC and AC. It was like before the kingdom, maybe I'll make it BK, before the kingdom and after the kingdom. When I started saying yes to God, I began to see the kingdom of God manifesting in my life. And I began to see the blessing of the Lord. My marriage was, was in bad shape. But I watched God transforming my heart towards my wife, towards my children. I watched God. One of the first things he started asking me to do was meditate on his word, memorize his word. And so I just started meditating day and night. I just, for, for eight years, I do. I memorize and I meditate. I memorize and I meditate. I go for walks in the trees and I mumble to myself scriptures that I'm meditating on. What I didn't know was those who meditate day and night, God promised to prosper them. <laughs> And that year, all of a sudden, our company just exploded. And it just started making money. Like, like, like way more than a slightly below average intelligence guy should make. And we saw the blessing of the Lord on that. And then we seen the blessing of the Lord coming on our ministry. I never really had a whole lot of influence. And all of a sudden, people are listening to me. And suddenly, I'm getting invited to places. And suddenly, I start to preach and I can feel I can feel him just coming on me. I can feel him right now. I love preaching, especially the kingdom, because it's what I was created for. It's what I was, you, every one of us, we have to find that thing. Find that thing that God made you for. Find that thing you were created for. And then don't let anyone else talk you out of it. And do whatever it takes to obey God and get your job done. I was created to preach the kingdom of God. And the anointing comes. And people get touched. And people get healed. And people say yes to God. People who lived in compromise for decades will come and meet God at an altar. And they'll leave with the grace to say yes to God and live above sin. Hallelujah. Do you know what that grace is called? It's called righteousness. Righteousness. Did you know righteousness isn't something you earn by doing everything right? And you know that righteousness, that's one ditch. Righteousness is not something that you, everyone just got on the day they were saved. Righteousness is a free gift that most people don't want. Hello. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit. There's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Some people do, some people won't. But you want the Holy Spirit? 
You hunger for the Holy Spirit. You seek the Holy Spirit, and He fills you. It's the same with healing. Not everybody will receive it. A lot of people just figure that's not for today. But some people want it. Some people hunger for it. Some people will receive Jesus as their healer, and they get healed. It's the same with righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. The Bible says that those who receive, say receive. Not everybody does. But those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Hallelujah. Who wants to reign in life? This is what you got to do. You receive it. Jesus didn't say you are righteous. People often quote that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. There's one word missing in that statement. It says that I might become. We like to leave that part out. That I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Friends, righteousness isn't something you're supposed to have checked off like, yeah, that was done. No, righteousness says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. And friends, I want you to know that right here, right here this morning at this altar, there's a gift waiting for some of you who want this. And you come, you say, but I've tried, I've tried so many times to give this area of my life to God. I've tried. I'm going to ask you to try harder. I'm asking you to receive that gift that will be freely given to you in this kingdom swirl. Hallelujah. Do you know every week in this church, there is a kingdom swirl. That's why people love coming here. You come into a place like this and you ask for stuff. Ask him to give you the grace of righteousness. Don't come and say, I'm going to try way harder this time. Say, Lord, with your grace, I'm never going back. Hallelujah. You say, what do I have to do, Steve? I want the kingdom. You want me to tell you what to do? Whatever he just told you to do. You are my friend if you do what I command you. For some of you, you think because I told a story about smoking, you figure that God must want you to quit smoking. But he might be saying, no, you're going to need a smoke next week. <laughs> Because i got a bigger fish to fry. Hello? What's God asking of you? That's the question. What is Holy Spirit asking of you? For some, it's, it is an addiction to come and humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your righteousness. And I'm never going back. And you receive it. And then you change. For some, it might be, get up a little earlier. I've been trying to get you out of bed in the morning to just wait on me. You can't know me. You can't have intimacy if you don't make time for me. I want you in the Word. For some of you, it's prayer. You should be at the prayer meeting every single week. Everyone should be at the prayer meeting, by the way. Every single week. And in your own personal life. What's God asking of you? Maybe He's just asking you to ask for the righteousness. To stop being so mean to your kids to be a loving and tender father or mother maybe he's asking you 
to love your spouse. You know, do you know there are Christians, you may find this hard to believe, but there, it wouldn't be in this church, but there are actually Christians, married Christians, who more times than not will not meet their spouse's sexual needs. Not this church, but at the other church. Hello. Say, God doesn't care about that. What is he asking of you? That's not in the Bible, is it, Steve? It is. It's 1 Corinthians 7, 4. Your body is not your own. You don't have authority over your own body. It belongs to your spouse. Hello. Say yes to God. See, we, all, we, we often think, well, these are the list of sins. So I'll start working down that. No, 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 no. Jesus, just, just lift your hands. Jesus. I started saying this years ago. Ask me for anything. I'll do it. That's a dangerous prayer. But I'll tell you something. It leads to the kingdom of God. It leads to the glory of God. We make everything about heaven and hell. Friends, if you love Jesus, if you believe, honestly, heaven, heaven's taken care of. The question is, what about the glory that you're called to walk in? What about the ministry that you're called to flow in? We make everything about heaven and hell. We take scriptures that talk about the glory and we make them about heaven and hell. Here's one. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of heaven when they die. Is that what it says? Well, that's how we interpret it. For all have sinned and therefore they go to hell. No, this is what it says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin doesn't keep you out of heaven, Christian. Sin keeps you out of the glory. Sin keeps you from entering His presence. Sin, your, my unwillingness to surrender, to seek righteousness, to say yes to God, it keeps me from walking in the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a kingdom swirl right now. If you need healing in your body, I just, I just want you to stand up right now. Just stand up if you need a miracle, a healing in your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're standing next to somebody, if you're, if you're next to someone who's standing, just put your hand on them. You can stand up too. Just put your hand on them. Oh, Lord. I got good news for you. Jesus told me to come here and to preach the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. Now heal the sick. Raise the dead. And cleanse the leper. And drive out demons. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we speak to sick bodies and we say, be made whole, be whole, be whole, be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I speak to pain right now. Go in Jesus' name. I speak to cancer right now. Cancer cells dying right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 It's in your midst. It's in your midst. I want you just to see. Just see yourself surrounded. See yourself surrounded. Just reach into that kingdom realm right now. And just say, I receive. I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, I'm healed. You need righteousness? See, I receive righteousness in Jesus' name. I receive your righteousness. I receive righteousness over sexual immorality. I receive your righteousness over addictions. I see receive righteousness over laziness. Hallelujah. I received your righteousness over unbelief. God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. But be blessed today as we pursue our king. Pastor Mark preached on holiness last week. Be holy as I am holy. Let's pursue our king. Amen. Bless you. Greet one another.